Go please to 1 John. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this evening, hold your hand up real high. The ushers will uh, get one to you. And let's all turn to 1 John 3. 1 John 3. 1 John, the third chapter. And the 14th verse. It says, we know. Don't you like that? Didn't say we think so. We wonder about it. We know that we have passed from death unto life. How do we know it? Not because your name's on the church roster. Not because you were sprinkled or dipped the appropriate way. (laughs) How do you know that you have passed from death unto life? Because we love the brethren. Brethren means your fellow Christian. Male and female. Now you're supposed to love the world too, but that's a different thing. You need to distinguish it. When the Bible says love your brethren, that he's not talking about the unsaved. You do care about the unsaved, but he's specifically talking about your fellow Christian. People say, well, you know, we're all children of the same God. Not true. There are two spiritual families in the earth. Are you listening? We don't all have the same father. Jesus told some of the most religious people of his day, you're of your father the devil. Didn't he tell them? No. And unless you've been born again, you're not in the family of God. And God is not your father. So this universal thing about, well, we're all, we all have the same God. and We're all brothers and sisters, everybody on the planet. Not true. Not true. I know it sounds good. It's politically correct. People like it. It's not confrontational. But it's a lie. People say, well, you need to be more open. I mean, being a Christian is being open and accepting. (laughs) Being a Christian is believing what the Christ told you to believe. (laughs) You ever heard people say, "Well, well, Jesus preached love and acceptance. You should too. That's not true either. Jesus preached repentance. See, some of these things sound good, but they're religious. They're not the word. When you say Jesus preached something, you need to have a chapter and a verse. Not just some wild idea you pulled off the top of your head. And don't let sinners tell you what Jesus preached. (laughs) People that don't even believe in him, don't even accept him, going to tell you. What Jesus preached and believed? <laughs> We're off to an exciting start here tonight, aren't we? <laughs> How do you know you've passed from death unto life? We love each other. The brethren, keep going. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive or see or discern we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
Whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? If you love your brother, you're not okay with seeing him hurt and do without. If he's hurting or she's hurting, you want to help him. The love of God compels you, doesn't it, to help. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Don't just love and talk, love in action, in what you do. Go to the fourth chapter. 1 John 4 and 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Keep going. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Keep reading. Beloved. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Keep going. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. Keep reading. We've seen and do testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Keep on going. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And he would got through saying more than once that God is love and so you're dwelling in love. Go please to the uh, gospel account of John. John, the 15th chapter. That was 1 John we were in. Go now to John, Gospel account of John, chapter 15. John 15 and 9. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Stay in it. Live in it. Keep going in the love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide or live or dwell or stay in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide or dwell in his love. Love is not a feeling. Now, it affects your feelings. But God is love. And living in love is living in a person and living in a place, in an environment. Where you live, where you dwell, is a place. But it's also a person. Love is not just something we're to do. Love is to be the environment we live in. It's a place where we're to stay. Now it's obvious you can leave love. Just like you can leave the house. And he's telling you, don't do that. Stay in the love. Live there. Dwell there. Stay there. Keep reading. 
These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is the key to what no drug can do for you, what no amount of alcohol can do for you, what no amount of sex can do for you, our stuff, our money, our gambling, our success. All of these are attempts to plug a hole in you that nothing can fill. This is not just a giddiness, a happiness. No, this is something more. This is the joy of the Lord. The joy Jesus has. The joy the Father has. Did you know the Father has joy? Did you know he rejoices? The Bible says the Almighty who created the heavens and the earth, who sits on the throne, that he sings. He rejoices. He sings. He gets glad. How many know this is not some little empty shell put on hyena laugh? Some little tinny, giddy, ha ha ha, he he he. This is not world tinsel happiness. This is God joy. And it's powerful. In fact, the Bible said the joy of the Lord is your strength. You want to be more than happy? You want to have fullness of joy. Everything people are looking for in accumulation, in addictions, in Climbing the corporate ladder, trying to get the success. Everything people think will make them happy, if they get it without God, they find out immediately it didn't fulfill me. What else do I need? And it doesn't fulfill you and give you fullness of joy. Because there's only one who can. And only doing what he told us to do allows us to enjoy this fullness of joy. Somebody say, full of joy. Full of joy. Full of joy. Full of joy. When the jug's full, it's not half full. It's not three quarters full. Anybody remember the psalmist said, my cup runneth over. That's full. Full and then some. Keep reading. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Oh, this is what so much of the church world is lacking and missing. Ah, folks get up and they chant their little book prayers and and they do this and they do that and they go through their regimens and they try to do their good deed for the day and... And it's just dry and it's just empty and they do it year after year and they think, is this all there is? No! It's not all there is. It's never all there was. When we do what he told us to do, there is to us fullness of joy. You've never been stronger than when you were full of joy. 
Think about it. At your lowest, weakest moments, could you say you were full of joy? At your lowest, weakest moments, no. You were sobbing. You were crying. You were depressed. And what did you need? You needed a double barrel shot of joy. You need a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Joy in your soul. The more joy, the more strong. The more strong, the more victory. Can you say amen? Amen. Jesus said, these things I'm telling you. Now what things is he telling us that's connected to us, our joy being full? Verse 12. This is my commandment. (laughs) That you love one another as I have loved you. Now what did he just get through talking about? Fullness of joy. What's this got to do with fullness of joy? Everything. The connection has not been made between keeping the love command and being full of joy. But Jesus is saying, I'm telling you these things so that your joy will be full. He told us to love each other so we'd be full of joy. And so we'd be fulfilled and content and strong. Nothing else will accomplish it. Keep reading. This is my commandment that you love one another a very specific way. How? As I have loved you. Very specific. So before You understand this, you're going to have to know how he loves you. How he has and does love us. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And this is an expounding on how he has loved us. And we just got through reading the same thing that we in our text in 1 John. He said if he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for each other. But when you hear that, is your first response, glory to God. (laughs) Joy, joy. You see what I'm saying? We haven't made the connection. Lay down your life and be full of joy. The connection has not been, and there's a reason why the connection has not been made. There are, I don't know how many believers who are not in church tonight. They won't be in church on Sunday. And yet they believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They believe he died on the cross and paid for their sins. They believe he's the coming king. But they also are convinced that if they completely dedicated their life to the Lord, their fun would be over. That they would just, you know, it would be a dull, drab 
no fun, no joy life. And they're not connected. That though they're partying hard, they're still not full of joy. They spend all their money, they lose respect, they mess up their relationships and tear up their car. (laughs) And the next day, they are not full of joy. (laughs) They're sick and they're broke and they're alone and nobody cares about them and they're unhappy. But they got to keep having fun. The devil's a liar. I said the devil's a liar. You know people forsook Jesus. For love of this present world. People forsook Paul. And left him and his company. For love of this present world. Why? It's a great big lie. The devil will show you. You the man. Oh man, you're dashing, you got the sports car, you got the money, you got the drugs, you got the beautiful girls, you got the this, you're on the... And the devil will show you a picture that is a sliver of the first part. He won't show you what comes next. That after the money's gone, so's all your so-called friends. He won't show you that when you're older and broke and alone with a disease in the hospital... Nobody will even come see you. There is pleasure in sin for a season. It's a short one. But then there's just death, death, death. The wages of sin is death. Oh, but friend, though the devil has tried so hard to hide it, the most fun life there is is the completely dedicated to God life. The most fulfilling, joyous life there is, is the life of laying down your life and giving Him your all. It's the most joy, the most peace, the most fulfillment. The devil does not want you to see this. He's convinced so many I remember I sat across the table from a guy one time. I knew he had a call on his life. He come from a family of strong, anointed ministers. And he's been doing his best to make a bunch of money. And cutting corners and lying and breaking laws to get his millions. And as I was talking to him over a lunch, tears came up in his eyes. He said, I know I got a call on my life to preach. I didn't ask him that. It just came up out of him. I said, why don't you do it? He said, I don't want to be broke all my life. My daddy was broke and his daddy was broke and and we never had anything and always pleading and begging everybody for everything. He said, I'm not living like that. I said, who said you had to? I said, I'm not broke. I preach. But he shook his head. And he wanted to change the subject and not talk about why. He is convinced of a lie. That if he completely dedicated to serve God. He couldn't have what he desires in life. He couldn't be happy. He wouldn't have anything or have his needs met. Much less any abundance. And it's a big lie. I said it's a big lie. 
It's not the truth. The devil will try to convince everybody. In order to be happy, you have to look out for number one. You got to get what you want, what you need. You got to live for yourself. Look out for yourself. But it's not true. The more you look out for yourself, what did Jesus say? If you cling to your life, if you hold to that, you will lose it. It will slip through your fingers like sand. Oh, you might get a few things here and there, but it's not going to make you happy. You're not going to be satisfied. The key, according to Jesus, to being full of joy is what? Look at it again. Look at it again. Verse 9, let's back up. John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, that's how I've loved you. Stay in this love. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you. That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. What things did he speak to them and to us? He's talking about love. Keeping the love command. And he said, I'm talking to you about this so that my joy would stay in you. And your joy might be full. Somebody say, I believe it. And he goes on to say, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And what's the result of that? Your joy will be full, according to Jesus. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. That's how Jesus loved us. Back up to John 3, 16. How did Jesus love us? How has God loved us? For God so loved. Now that word so literally means in this way. He loved us in this way. And Jesus said love each other in the way I've loved you. How God loved us in this way. Love the world. Now, this is not just believers. This is everybody. In this way, that he what? That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The How did he love us? One word. Gave. The greatest expression of divine love is giving. Not my idea. Red letters. Didn't say God so loved the world. He had a tremendous feeling. God so loved the world that he yelled from heaven. I love you. (laughs) Not that that's bad or wrong. But the greatest expression of divine love is giving. So how are you and I going to keep the love command. How are we going to love each other like he has loved us? We'll have to give to each other. And another way of saying giving is laying down your life. 
which is giving something that's yours and your life, but you're giving it to them. You're giving it to your brother or sister in Christ, not because somebody's making you, you're doing it because love is motivating you. And what's this the key to? Fullness of joy. There's no other way you and I will be full of joy unless and until we do this. That we love each other or give to each other the way Jesus and the Father has given to us. There's not enough money to give us fullness of joy. There's not enough big houses or sports cars or limousines or jets or yachts. There's not. But this can give you what no drug, what no natural success can do. Has anybody touched any of this in your life walking with the Lord? I have. I can't say I've gone all the way, but there's been times in my life where I touched it. I remember I was coming back from a a country from doing some ministry work years ago on a commercial airliner. It was real late. I was several time zones changed and I was tired. We had had some outstanding meetings. I mean, we had outdoor meetings. And uh, before dark, there were just people scattered around in the, on these wood rough pews. And as it got dark, I kept hearing things. And, and of course, it's pitch dark out there. And, and you'd feel a bump here and you'd feel a bump there. Finally, when the lights came on, that place was packed. Man, I don't know when the people came in, but in the dark, they came in and got in the, the seats. We had miracles. Miracles of healing and deliverance. And many people came and gave their lives to the Lord and came back. And uh, as we're going back, I'm sitting on the airplane on this particular time. Uh, Phyllis wasn't with me on that one. I was by myself and I'm just sitting there quiet and uh, and the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard a voice, but he said, uh, I said to him, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us like you have in this meeting. Thank you, Lord, for the miracles and things that you did. Thank you. I just under my breath, if you'd have been sitting beside me, you probably wouldn't have heard it. But in my heart and under my breath, I said, thank you, Lord. And as I was saying that, he said, thank you for going. Thank you. I almost had to shake my head. I thought, no, he didn't say that. Because <laughs> we're not used to that. But now think about it. Do you have children? Would you ever tell them something like that? Certainly you would. I said, well, sir, I'm honored to do it. Thank you. (laughs) And when he said that to me, I could sense his pleasure. Oh, my. When God's pleased with you, the grass is greener. The sky is bluer. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's hard to describe. But what you're experiencing is his manifested love. And you know it when you touch it that this is where you want to live forever. You want to live in this. And increasing measures of this. And you can't experience this through a drug or a bottle or accumulation. You experience it through pleasing him. And if you obey him, it pleases him. 
If you believe him, faith pleases him. Favor is not just a result of confessing I'm favored. I have favor, 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 I have favor. It's okay to say you have favor, but it takes more than just saying you have favor. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When you trust him and believe him, that pleases him and favor is going to come your way. When you obey him, that pleases him. And he will deal with people and incline them towards you. And you won't have to deal with them. It's good to say I have favor, but that's not all there is to it. And nothing pleases him better than you loving his other kids. Do you believe it? Which is why it is the New Testament commandment. Not a suggestion. He didn't say try to do it. (laughs) He said do it. Do it, and what's it key to? Fullness, fullness, fullness of joy. Somebody say, I believe it. God so loved the world that he did what? Gave the greatest gift he could give us, Jesus. Jesus so loved us himself that he came, and he gave. Let me read some scriptures to you. That talk about this. You know them. But just hear how often you hear this in the New Testament. Galatians 2.20. He says the son of God loved me. And gave himself. For me. Ephesians 5.1. It says Christ has loved us. 5.2. And has given himself for us. Said out loud he gave himself for me. Ephesians 5.25. He says Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for it. Titus 2.14. He gave himself for us. 1 Timothy 2.6. He gave himself a ransom for us. What did he do? And that's another way of saying he loved us. How did he love us? He gave himself. How did he command us to love each other? Just like he has loved us. How did he love us? He gave himself. For us. How do we love each other? We give of ourselves. If we're not giving of ourselves to each other, then we're not keeping the command. And we won't be happy. We won't be full of joy. That'll be the thing that's missing. Go with me in the epistles here, please, to Galatians, the fifth chapter. Don't think this is too simple. Don't assume you already know this. This is something the enemy has worked very hard to hide from the church. To obscure. Because it is our witness to the world. And it is our personal fulfillment and joy. Are those two big things? Those are huge. If you have no witness to the world and you're unfulfilled personally, your life's a mess and failure. It's no wonder he's worked so hard to obscure this and hide this, confuse people about this. And of all the things Jesus said, this is my commandment. This is it. And that all the law and prophets are summed up in it. He could have said a lot of things. But how many believe it doesn't get any bigger than the New Testament commandment to love one another as I have loved you. That's as big as it gets. 
in Galatians, the fifth chapter and the 13th verse. He said, brethren, you've been called unto liberty. How many believe the child of God's called to be free? Only use not the liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but what do you use your liberty to do? To serve. I'm set free so I can serve. I'm saved to serve. That's my call. That's my purpose. You've been called to be free. Don't use your freedom for an occasion to the flesh. Listen to the New Living Translation. New Living says you've been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, the flesh... Don't use your freedom just to do what your flesh wants to do. People say, we're free. We're not under the law. We're free. We're free. We're free. Free to do what? Well, whatever I want. No. (laughs) Actually, no. You're free to do what? Why does the Lord want us healed? So we can serve. Why does the Lord want us blessed and prosperous? So we can serve. Free. In the best shape of our life. Not just so we can sit in a lazy boy and count our money. (laughs) You'll never be happy. No matter how much fishing you do or how much golf you play. That's not enough. Has anybody found out it's not enough? Some folks say, well, I'd like to try it. No, No, you don't. Not to say you can't ever do some, but if you think that's your life's fulfillment and joy, you're going to perpetually be dissatisfied. It's not enough. I said it's not enough. He said, you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to do what? To serve one one another means who? That's your fellow Christian. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Let me read the, uh, the message translation. It's absolutely clear that God's called you to a free life. Just make sure you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And that's how freedom grows. You must be truly free If your joy is full. You couldn't be in joy. If you're in bondage. Your fullest joy. My fullest joy. Is in us. Ministering to. Serving. Our brother. You believe it saints. In Acts 20. Acts 20 and 35. Familiar verse to many. He said, I showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. What is the New Testament command? Love each other the way I've loved you. How did he love us? 
He so loved us that he gave. So the way we keep the command is by giving to each other. And that is the people that are the more blessed. Now there's a whole lot of folk that don't go to church. So they're not in this at all. They need to be and they can be. But then there are millions of folks that go to church primarily to receive. Is that right? Primarily to receive. If you stood outside the parking lot of most churches and you asked person after person that's coming in, what are you coming to church for? Most folks come in to receive. And most folks are a part of a church so they can receive. But these are the less blessed. Didn't say not blessed. Less blessed. Because who are the more blessed? The ones that they primarily want to give. They're more focused on giving, sowing. This, this has to do with a fundamental mistake the church has made. Go with me to Ephesians, please, and we'll talk about it specifically. Ephesians, and we'll start in the fourth chapter. When... Uh, Phyllis and I began pastoring at Branson. I'm talking about the first before we had a service. And then the first week and the second week and the first month. She and I both are praying and seeking the Lord about how to have the church, how to lead the church. I sought the Lord earnestly and studied about the purpose of the church. I meant that I was not just going to copy somebody. Not that a lot of folks are not doing great things, because they are. But every family is unique in some ways, and every area is unique in some ways, and you need to hear from the Lord. Do you believe that? About your group and your family and your place. And I sought the Lord, and Phyllis did. What do we do? People say, well, when are we going to have this? And and I'd check myself to go, well, we're not unless the Lord and until he directs us to. You have to watch about doing what everybody wants to do. Because you'll have a whole lot of stuff that the Lord never told you to do. And it's a drain on people's resources and their monies. And, and it's an open door for the devil to cause problems. A lot of churches have had a lot of terrible things happen in projects and trips they were never supposed to have and do. Folks didn't realize it, but the door was open. The Lord didn't tell them to take that trip. He didn't tell them to do that thing. He didn't tell them to have that group and to have this. And people get into these groups and these things that the Lord never told them to have. And then folks have affairs with each other. And, and, and folks get involved in this and get involved in that. And people wonder why. Well, the door is open. The Lord never told you to do it. Yeah, but it's a good thing. Yeah, but that's not a leading. Yeah, but it's a need. Yeah, but it's not a leading. What is the purpose of the church? Why should you have a church? Why? You have to watch. 
Especially if you grew up in church. Because you think you know. But it's not what people have done. It's not what people are doing. What did Jesus say? What does the word say? What's the main purpose and focuses? In Ephesians 4. It talks about Jesus, the head of the church. And it talks about what he has done in the church and for the church. Ephesians 4 and verse 1. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. He's emphasizing unity. And we ought not be splintered because we all got the same one. Keep going. Unto every one of us is given grace. Now to who? The preachers? Every one of us is given what? Grace. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. For what? Grace to do what? Grace for what? Well, don't just fill in the blank. Read the rest of the passage. Verse 8. Wherefore, now wherefore connects what he said with what he's saying now. So he's talking about the grace that has been given to every one of us is connected to this. That when Jesus ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Verse 9, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Verse 10. He that descended is the same that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Why did he do all this? Twelve. He gave some apostles. These are the gifts that he gave. And some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now the next verse is where much of the church has missed it. I know that's a bold statement, but I say it boldly. Why has God given us these ministry gifts? Most people think it is to do the work of the ministry. And our words that we've used so frequently lend to that idea. Well, you're a minister, aren't you? Then obviously you should do the ministry. Ministry means service. That's what it means. We've got to watch about Titles. Ministry is not in a title. It's in service. Service that is. Makes a difference. Fruit is born out of it. He gave these gifts. Why? Verse 12. Why are they given? For the perfecting. Of the saints. Now let's go back to the previous verse. Every one of which has been given grace. Right? Keep going. Verse 12. 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, because of the way this is worded and because of the way people believe, that work of the ministry is attributed to the gifts. But that's not what it's talking about. Let me read to you from another translation. Actually, I'll read to you four or five or six or because this is super important. We're talking about why we're having a church. The Amplified, verse 12. His intention, the head of the church's intention in giving these gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, was for the perfecting and full equipping of the saints. Why? That they should do the work of the ministering toward building up Christ's body. This is where the church has made big mistakes. Many, many churches believe, and many, many people believe, that they hire the pastors and the staff to do the work of the ministry. They're to be the spiritual ones. They're to do the praying and the studying and all the visitation and all the counseling. This was never so. For one thing, it can't be done. Can't be done. You'll wind up with a handful of people overworked and a whole lot of things not touched. Not met, not done. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body. Who should do it? The saints should do the work of the ministry. Is this foreign thinking to many? People think, well, I... If I make it out of bed and I make time to go to church, especially if I put a dollar in the offering, you ought to be happy. We ain't talking about me. We're talking about the head of the church. What did he say? The job of the ministers, as we call them, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. This is not commonly believed. But it's always been the plan. And it's the only way you're going to be full of joy. Do you believe it, saints? It's the only way. And as I prayed about this, and Phyllis, and we sought the Lord about this, he brought me to this passage, and he showed it to me, and he emphasized it to me. I'd always known there were some things that weren't right about common church mentality. But he began to emphasize it to me more and more. He said, you and Phyllis and the staff are not supposed to do all of the counseling and all of visitation and all of these things. You can't do it for one. There are people, bless their hearts, their dedication is unquestioned. I mean, they work two jobs and they cut the grass and they vacuum the carpet and they preach the sermon on Sunday. And I appreciate that. And that's, you know, sometimes when you first get started, that's what you need to do. But then you got a church full of people 10 years later and the pastor's still doing all this. And people say, oh, we got such a good little pastor. He just does everything himself. 
You got folks that are coming and doing nothing year after year after year. And they're not going to have reward after this life. And they're unhappy and they're unfulfilled. And you got a handful of people that are overworked. And then he's not ready for the pulpit. How many know the leaders in the beginning days of the book of Acts, they told the folks, it's not reasonable that we should leave the word of God and wait tables. That's not about you being too good. It's about the plan. When I first got into ministry, I thought my job as a preacher was to basically do anything that anybody asked me to. And so I tried to. Man, if somebody wanted me to visit somebody, I'd visit them. I'd show up hospitals and places everywhere. And, and after several times of getting shut down, I began to pray. I remember I walked into a guy's room one time, and uh, he said, who are you? I said, well, your mom called and asked, would uh, I come by? He said, I don't believe in all that blankety-blank, blankety-blank, blank. You get the blank out of here, blankety-blank, blank. I said, okay. So I turned around and left. And as I was getting back in the car to go home, I thought, now, Lord, here I drove up here for an hour, and there's other things I'm not doing, and I'm supposed to speak tomorrow morning, and I feel like the enemy has just robbed me of some time and energy and effort. Where am I missing it here? There'd be other times people say, I'd like to talk to you if I could get with you for a little bit. And so I did, and I did, and I did, and I did. And I had people sit and yak and yak and tell me the most useless stuff for two hours. And then I'm supposed to get up and go preach and be spiritual. After hearing all that, and I realized the devil is robbing my time through all this unspiritual stuff. Because I believed that old mentality of I'm the minister. I'm supposed to do all the work of the ministry. And that never was right. So you got a handful of people trying to do the work of the ministry. And you got masses of folks doing absolutely nothing. Only interested in receiving. Not keeping the love command. And very unhappy and unfulfilled and dissatisfied. So the Lord dealt with me about it. He said, this is how you're to do this. And that's when the service teams were implemented because that's what ministry means. A lot of folks would call them ministry teams. But a lot of times when people start hollering, I'm a minister, it's more about a title or entitled. Service kind of brings it down home. Don't you think? Service. Service. And so we begin with the team leaders and we begin with the teams and I begin to preach about it and talk about it and not just say we need you, we need you. No, it's a matter of all of us finding our place and operating in our grace in the kingdom and man, it begin to blossom and things begin to happen. And instead of a couple of people trying to do everything, you know, our teams there in Branson and the ones here in Sarasota are already, you're already seeing some of this. We'll have somebody on a team have an issue or a problem. And a lot of times, by the time we find out about it, the other folks on the team are already on the scene. And everybody's helping their own. 
and ministering to them. And not only are they doing it, but they're getting the reward. And they're getting the experience. And they're getting the development. Can you see this, saints? And they're also getting the joy. In many churches, pastors are hirelings. They're pretty much hired counselors that are replaced regularly just to shake things up, keep things new. A lot of folks change pastors every year or two, whether they need it or not, just keep things fresh, you know. And they don't really have a pastor. The Lord spoke to my heart some years back. He said, many of my people are not getting the full benefit of the gifts I have given them. They haven't given them the place in their life. What are these gifts given for? What? Back up and look at it again. They're given for what? The New American Standard. Put that one up. The New American Standard for the equipping of the saints. For the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ. Now a lot of folks don't like this. They don't. They don't. Millions of Christians don't want a church like this. Not going to go to a church like this. They just don't. They want a no fault, no responsibility church. They want to be told that no matter what happens in my life, it's not my fault. It's God's mysterious ways. No matter what doesn't happen in my life, it's not my fault. It's just God's will. We don't understand why. Zero responsibility. And expect you to do anything? Oh, no, no. If you can show up, that's great. But that's not going to cut it with the head of the church. When you stand before him, you can say, well, my preacher told me it didn't matter. Ain't going to cut it. Because you had a Bible. Right? And the Bible said. You've been given grace. You've been given gifts. And a command. To do what? Love one another. When you get excited. About serving your fellow Christian. You are about to break into an area. That's better than you've ever lived. Do you believe it? It's growing up spiritually. Babies are naturally self-centered. I mean, if you're born again last week, well, you know, we understand that. Pretty much all you're going to think about is, is what you need and, and what you want. And you need a baba and you need your diaper check. We understand that. That's okay. That's okay. But you've been saved 25 years, 35 years. And somebody slightly suggests that you might get out of the crib <laughs> and help one of the other children and go, this is my crib. I've been in this crib for 40 years. <laughs> you don't actually expect me to do something. It's not me. It's him. The head of the church expects us to love one another by serving and giving to one another. How do you keep the New Testament commandment? 
How do you do it? How did they do it in the beginning days of Acts? It wouldn't be by doing things for yourself. That's not loving one another. (laughs) I hear gears turning. New Living Translation. I'll go further. New Living Translation says their responsibility, whose responsibility? The preacher's responsibility. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, their job is to do what? God has graced them and gives things through them that equip God's people to do his work. It's not just the preacher's job to do his work. Now what they're doing is his work. But all the saints of God are to do his work. Aren't they? And the reason you come to church and the reason you have the anointing and the word and the ministers is so you get another piece. You get another part. You get some more light and you get some more anointing and equipping so that you can serve your brother. You can do something that benefits them genuinely. Do you believe this, saints? Then right now, close everybody close your eyes. And if you're sincere, might raise one hand up in an act of submission and say out loud, Father God, I believe your word. Show me how to serve, how to give, to how to love my brother, my sister. In Jesus' name. Show me where to do it. Show me how to do it. How to use the graces, the gifts, the abilities you've put in me to love my brother, love my sister, build up the body, fulfill your will in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 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 Everybody wants to be valued. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be ministered to. But as long as you focus on people loving you and ministering to you and helping you, you got no seed in the ground. We've got to forget about ourselves in that regard and begin to think about how can I encourage them? How can I make them feel valuable and loved and important? What can I do to help and assist them? And as you do that, you're getting seed in the ground, aren't you? You're getting something God can multiply and cause to come back to you. Can you say amen? Let me read this to you again. The New Living Translation said these ministers' responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Did you hear that? As each part does its own special work. Can you see how many churches have got it wrong? A handful of people trying to do all the work of the ministry and you got thousands of people or hundreds of people or whatever the church is that doing nothing except coming to receive. 
And then people not understanding why year after year the mass of folks in the congregation are unhappy. They're, they're not developing. They feel like there's more because there is. Do you see this, saints? And you got pastors and leadership begging for, can somebody help? Can somebody do this? And are perpetually understaffed. Where the truth is, if God was their priority, and therefore the love command and loving each other was the priority, you should be able to say, uh, we could use somebody to do this, and 100 people show up. 200 people, people are going, man, don't leave me out. Let me help. And you've just got masses of people involved. And somebody pulls up at the church, and four people surround their car and go, hi, how you doing? Can I touch your purse? Can I hold your Bible? I'll help you out. Let me have your coat. And you just, instead of having a handful of people, you got people everywhere exhibiting love and grace and ministering. The saints building up the body. Can you see this picture, friends? As each and every part does its job, that's God's word translation, he makes the body to grow so it builds itself up in love. New living again. As each part does its own special work, verse 16, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Where that folks all over working and ministering to each other and loving each other and helping each other It's not some utopian, fantastic ideal. It's God's plan for every church. Do you believe it, saints? Can we have it? I'm believing we're not going down. We're not staying where we are. We're going up. It's going to increase and multiply and multiply and multiply. And we'll have so many people serving on all the teams that you'll be chomping at the bit until it's your time to serve again. Instead of being overworked at every service. Come on, are y'all listening to me? Overworked, doing something all the time. It's not supposed to be that way. And it won't be that way. We can have faith for abundance in our finances and we can have faith for abundance in the church. Said out loud, we will have. Abundance of people to serve in every area, on every team, at every service, at every season. Not just enough, way more than enough. Abundance, abounding, flowing over, everybody serving, everybody working, everybody rested. And happy. And being fully equipped. And receiving. And serving. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Lift your hands. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information. Visit our website at morelife.org.